0: And welcome to Concert Pipeline. I'm Steve Jones. Today on the program, we have Skating Polly. Uh, I had the chance to interview Skating Polly actually a couple years ago, back in 2019, around the 25th anniversary uh, end of Warp Tour shebang uh, festival that happened at Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View. Um, I think I did a phone interview with uh, with them and. Uh, And then, but then I got to meet up with them at the show and I got to see their performance at the show, which was uh, really cool as well. They they put on a really fun uh, show and they have a new album that's uh, coming out on June. uh, What is it? June 23rd? June 23rd. It's called Chaos uh, County Line. And I've had the chance to listen to the album a couple of times. I really dig it and I can't wait to to talk to them about it here in just a few minutes. I'm gonna uh, have a chat with uh, Kelly uh, from Skating Poly. Uh, before we do that, though, um, share kind of what's going on in my world a little bit. Um, yet last night, uh, my son had a carnival at his uh, school, and I didn't know what to expect with that. I brought a bunch of cash, and his mom brought a bunch of cash. Figured we have to shell out for a bunch of games and activities and stuff uh, to fundraise for the school. And it was surprising there wasn't there wasn't a lot of activities. Uh, it was it, it seemed very lightly put together. Uh, they. There was no money to be made from the event other than through uh, food vendors uh, that uh, that were selling food, uh, so, so that didn't happen. We donated a uh, cake to the, the thing, and uh, uh, it went fine, but hey, look, uh, Kelly is in the waiting room, so I'm going to bring her in and chat more a little bit after and do some music news and all that. So uh, let's go ahead and bring um, Kelly in uh, to the podcast. Hi. Hey, Kelly, how are you doing?
1: Good, how are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, my, my kids are out front having a water balloon fight. And oh, kiss yeah. each other at the house, So <laughs> 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 I, I was like, just stay out and be quiet for, an, you know, for a bit and we'll be good. So <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> they get I- each other. So they're good. So, um, yeah. How, how are you doing? Uh, you're preparing for this tour, I imagine. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, well, yeah, no, of course. I mean, I've been like running a lot. I just actually ran this morning and we, we had like a, a 12 day, I'm actually in LA now, but right right now, but I was, we, we had like a 12 day hitting the practices really hard stretch. Well, it was like this 12 day stretch where I, we were practicing. And then I was also having dental work done. So it was really fun. It was like, Oh yeah. I'm just kind of practiced. mixing that.
0: Oh my it was gosh. Like,
1: we're going to take the, the rod out of your arm for your birth control and reinsert it and then practice. And then another filling and then practice and then wisdom teeth and then they were like you can't sing for a little bit after you get this wisdom teeth thing done and i was like it's high for 2 days in bed and then i flew back to la <laughs>
0: you know a lot of a lot of back and forth but it's uh, it's good you make it you make time for all of it right
1: yeah 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 <laughs> practice <Yeah>. will <went> well
0: <laughs> exactly uh, so um you're but you're living in seattle area right like up in washington
1: yeah I'm. I'm yeah i'm living in tacoma still yeah okay
0: Okay, and so uh, how, is, how is that going? Do you live with uh, your half sister and your brother? Or...
1: No, I live, I, I but I do live with my parents again. We used to all live in that house. Um, but but no, they live close by. Um, yeah, we're pretty, me <laughs> and Peyton basically live together. Um, we see each other all the effing time and we're constantly crashing at each other's places, so.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: Curtis lives with his girlfriend now, also very close by
0: <laughs> nice nice and uh so uh, i I want to get into the album a lot uh because I mean you have this album that's coming out, and it's not just it's a it's like a it's a double album yeah uh, yeah it feels like you you have all these songs that just kind of built up to kind of putting this together tell tell me about the creation of uh of this album
1: yeah, so this album is weird because <laughs> In a way, it was, like, the first album where we were, like, okay, we're, we have this. We gave ourselves a month in an Airbnb, like, the cheapest Airbnb we could find in the middle of nowhere, Washington. So we'd be out in the woods, like, forced to write, you know? And it was, like, and we're going to just, we're going to bang these out. And we want to do a double album because it's been so long. And, and the fans deserve it, you know? We had all these song ideas and songs, right? But the funny thing is, like, so for the first time ever, it was, like, this very, like, cohesive like instead of just oh now we have enough songs for a record it was like no like let's get enough songs for a record but then also the weird thing is like we were taking ideas from stuff that i wrote freshly after the make it all show stuff that i wrote back when i was 14 stuff that i wrote there's one the last song on the album party house there's a video of me playing it when i was 11 or 12 that's that really used to be yeah yeah And that was the last one we we added to the record, actually, because Brad was like, every song on this record is very heavy, either emotionally or or tone wise. He's like, I think we need need like just like a campfire sing along. And when he said that, like the idea came to me like, well, I I was like, all my songs right now are kind of moody bastard uh, heavy songs. But when I was 11, I had a really light song that I wrote and and I just knew that I wanted my. My family to sing on it so our parents are on it my grandma's on it our little cousins on it
0: <laughs> it's it's awesome i I wanted to talk to you about party house because that's such a great way to end the album and, and i hear you could tell that there's well a party going on and everybody's involved right so t- i mean so tell me kind of about going back and kind of pulling the song out like did you just did you have it where did you have it how do you save a song for that long and uh and how did it come about to putting it on this album
1: i yeah i mean i don't know there's some skating poly songs that like we will just randomly get stuck in our head that that we used to play a lot when we were we were kids that there are no recordings of and then it's like oh i remember vaguely that this is the melody of it but that one i knew that there was a live recording of it somewhere so i just checked on youtube and i found it and i and then i you know i think i maybe changed the key i can't remember but i uh just made the the guitar part you know kind of campfire sing-alongy and and that's the only, that's also the only song that was recorded at our house. And Peyton had um, pneumonia when we were recording it too.
0: Oh
1: my so gosh. Was, really, it was So she's like, I was, it's amazing that she could sing the way she sang. Cause I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And she's like, yes, I want to, I want, you know, it's like, I want to just do it. And she did it in like two takes. And I was like be badass <laughs>
0: that's, a, that's incredible that's incredible uh and and the album starts out with baby and uh, and this, this song is just like this build-up i mean it starts out like all cutie and just like soft talking and everything and then it just become, becomes this rock anthem sort of thing tell me tell me about that song and uh, and how you uh, progress how you built it um
1: so that song uh i wrote right before i was told like i ended up having surgery on my voice and um mm-hmm. Anyway, right before I found out that I was going to have surgery on my voice, I was staying with Exine Servinka from X and we were trying to write all these like folk songs and like country ditties. And most of them were completely her words and then I'd put melody to them or partially her words, partially my words and I'd put melody to them. But baby on my birthday, my words. And I, I wrote it in the shower one day because it was a friend of mine's birthday who the last time, one of the last times I'd spoke to them had like, got mad at me on my own birthday and she was like you're always a baby on your birthday which is so true I I find something to get upset about on my birthdays and then I go and it's my birthday (laughs) (laughs) and so I was like oh man it's Alice's birthday (laughs) and so that melody got stuck in my head and and then I just started like fleshing out the lyrics and, and and at first it was this really simple country ditty and it was such a short song for so long, but Brad had the idea, he was like, no, and then drum solo, full replacements chaos, you need to break into it. So we did that and that's kind of the second part, you know, is when it gets loud and, but w- I felt like okay but then it needs even more chaos you know like once we started playing with the replacements chaos of me just going into all these characters like I feel like I do like drill sergeant character you know and like (laughs) my like twangy insane character then I felt like it needed like an evil section like pure evil Melvin's like so that's what the the last part is and once we had like a, a phone a live phone like a voice memo recording of it and that I was just really married to and uh basically we just tried to recreate that um whenever we did the yeah the album version and Brad was really good at facilitating that
0: <laughs> yeah what What do you like to do on your birthday you had your birthday last month right
1: yeah I did yeah, yeah no actually my birthday last month I was not a baby which I was really oh I think, good okay <laughs> <laughs> I was really stoked about that one I was like Oof. I think it's just I've just had a few right I've had a few where it's like when something is wrong but um no this this last birthday was really sweet I spent it like a friend of mine took me to like Newport Beach and we just walked a bunch and then I had, I had dinner with him and his mom at a really nice restaurant and it was just very chill low stakes like oh okay we're not having a party we're not like you know it was just very like let's just do nice things today so yeah
0: it's cool, <laughs> it's cool. I, I have a milestone birthday next month uh cool. what is it? forty uh, nice
1: congratulations.
0: Uh, thank you, I guess. Uh, you're getting older. Congratulations. Uh- <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to keep it low-key. I'm going to go fishing with some friends, and uh, and then we're, we got an Airbnb and just, you know, have some drinks, you nice know, chill and everything, you know, so you know, it'll, it'll be fun. Huh? Um, yeah, and uh, and I wanted to ask you about um, uh, the Hickey King video also. Tell me about how, uh, how that came about. I mean, it's, it starts out as like this just you know like a concert video but then it it progresses a bit right so
1: yeah yeah well I knew that it needed a live element and I knew that it needed a story element like I was very kind of adamant about that and I just felt like we'd played it live so many times and I, I love playing that song live and I'm comfortable playing it live so I can jump around and I can move and I just felt like that needed to be captured but then I needed like a whole different world for the verses a bit is what I kept saying and and Dave Smith who did it we've worked with him on so many videos he did a little late he did protective boy he did Hail Mary he did uh Audie Moore um so anyway you know we chose him and and me and Dave this thing that we always talk about is how a song has three stories so it has like the very literal inspiration so for Hickey King that would be like you know this date Peyton went on and and like certain guys I know and <laughs> and then the like the kind of story we paint which is it's more like um it's more like frenetic it's like oh yeah like my hickey king of little league like you know it's like praising these people for leaving their mark on you but in this kind of sarcastic way and then there's a the third story which should be the the music video and the music video should always be a different story in my opinion and so I was like, so we gotta go through the lyrics we gotta find a third story. And and then Dave pitched the idea to me that she'd be a vampire. And it works so well with the lyrics. It's insane. Like that I even got a sunburn for that boy, like, don't tell his soul, just throw it away. Like there's all these little things. I thought it would be easy to treat you like that. I thought, you know, like it would be easy to eat you. <laughs> That'd be pleasing.
0: <laughs> right, right. That's cool. Okay. I- um, you posted on your Instagram um, some lyrics for sol- "Sorry uh, for Always Apologizing." Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, is that something you find yourself kind of doing, like apologizing for a lot? Tell me, kind of tell me about that song a little bit and where definitely. that comes from.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely am a chronic over-apologizer. <laughs> uh, I, I catch myself saying "sorry" when people do nice things for me instead of "thank you." I'll say "sorry," like you know, "oh, sorry," and. Uh, and and yeah and and uh, and I knew that I wanted that song to be, you know, I, I kind of that that line and I'm sorry for always apologizing came really quickly to me. So then it was like, well, what 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 character do I paint? Do I just paint this like really sweet like? Ooh, I'm so sorry. But I, I thought it'd be more fun to like to kind of play this like huge jerk, you know, this kind of ruthless. Jerk. And, and whenever I play characters, I always like to draw from like a time where I've felt like that character. So anytime I write in yeah. a character, I like to like, um, you know, I'm just like acting or something, you know, take from a real life experience. So the first one that came to mind to me was, was, you know, this time that, that I was like madly in love, but kept breaking this person's heart and just kept being, and, and I, it's hyperbole, like what a, what a prick I am in the song, but, but yeah, like it's, uh, it it, is the guy that that it's about was my friend tim franco from starcarl and he's like the bass player and we had this really brief love affair but he's just like the sweetest guy and i felt like i just made all the wrong choices and then i'd always be like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry he's like you're fine (laughs) so that's that's where that song came from and i am really the lyrics that i posted on my instagram are some of my favorite lines on the record um like the, I'm sorry for noticing your innocence and using it to boost my self-esteem. I'm sorry that your kind-hearted nature had a lousy forest fire, tickets, trees. I'm sorry for saying that you couldn't be my friend just because you wouldn't play with me. Like, I love the wordplay of all of that. I love the imagery of like your kind-hearted nature, like burned down, you know, <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Um, so I, uh, I had the chance to, uh, to interview you a couple of years ago around, um, around Warp Tour and- yeah. Um and th- like the big 25th anniversary uh thing and th- that they did and uh, and saw you out in Mountain View and it was I mean such a really cool show. I was I was wondering what you remember of uh of that show.
1: I remember the end somehow I, I ended up like front of stage with just the mic, which is wild. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember how the song I don't remember which song escalated to me doing that but there are some really good photos of me like on the floor of the stage with just the mic um and I remember my hair being freshly green
0: it was Uh, freshly green here you go oh
1: hey there we go (laughs) um yeah no I, I really loved that show that was a really fun one and I met some cool people afterwards but it's funny it's like I end up remembering these shows by like the photos and stuff. Hey, there you are. <laughs>
0: am.
1: Like the visceral sensation, sure, I, I can recall that, but but it's funny how the way things kind of blur together and then you just, the photos or the videos you see online are like become your memory more so, you know?
0: Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, I was showing my son those photos this morning and he's I, and telling me from, I was gonna interview you and he's like, isn't that Billie Eilish? And uh, and I'm like, no, she had green hair before Billy's (laughs) hair. Hey, nice!
1: Isn't that Billy's
0: right? I know, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, but uh, I mean, you put so much into your live performance, and um, and so, like, tell me kind of about where channeling, you know, channeling kind of that energy for your live shows. Where does that come from? How do you put it all on stage, like you?
1: Yeah, I don't know i think i've just i think i'm just a little weirdo and i i just like i i have so much energy in my body and i have so much i feel like i can i I think sometimes so fast and maybe that's because of all the caffeine i consume but i think even when i'm not caffeinated i'm still kind of like that i'm kind of just and uh it's like it's been the best outlet for me time and time again and it's it feels like I get to be characters when I'm on stage. It feels like, I mean, singing is just—it's always been this very visceral, very comforting thing for me. Um, and and it's weird because because live, like, like depending on the circumstances, depending on who I talk to that day, depending on who's in the audience, depending on the weather, depending on my stage sound, like the lyrics will kind of take on different meanings and my performance or whatever will kind of veer into different directions um and i and i and i like that like i my favorite live bands are always are different every night you see them so i do try to kind of keep it loose even though i want to be you know like tight but loose is i think it's it's and, and be able to kind of veer off into into a little bit of chaos to keep people on their toes or whatever and then also if you're coming to every single show on a tour you're happy
0: <laughs> it, it, exactly got to mix the set list up this stuff, right so um, are there bands that you uh that you try and emulate that you want to pull things from that and kind of build into your own uh persona and live performance
1: oh so many i mean like the first time i saw uh one of the first tours we ever went on the first tour we ever went on maybe it was broncho and and they've they've ventured into so many different directions musically but at first they were just kind of like garage rock and their performance was so good and and ryan would just swing around and stuff and that was the first person i saw where i was like i want to move around i want to be more animated on stage because my songs are animated so i want to move and so that was when i was pretty young maybe 12 or something and then um and then Honestly, Starcrawler, I really love the way that they move around and stuff too. I mean, like our show is completely different, but I, I mean, I just love this, like Henry Cash has so many moves. Arrow has so many moves and I, it was just exciting. And so that, that kind of made me go, oh, I want to up my game too, even more. Um, Deerhoof has this really intense connection with each other, the way that they're constantly checking on each other and and making their next move because of that. So I I really wanted that. X, Xine and John changing their parts from night to night DJ, same thing. You you know, his xylophone solos and drum solos are different night to night. Uh, Kate Nash and Charlie Bliss both have this gift of like just just being so warm in between songs. So I I really, that's what I want to do. Like, I don't want to be I don't like to be like, yeah, fuck you guys, make more noise. I really don't like that. Like, even if our energy is completely punk and sarcastic and crazy and whatever, and if I'm going to get intense and mean during the songs, between the songs, I just want to be like, grateful that these people are here and let them know that I'm grateful and like, make sure we're all happy and having a good time. And yeah, so I, I, yeah, a lot of bands. Yeah. That's me, I guess I should say.
0: <laughs> of, of course. And uh and you've made a lot of stops in the Bay Area over the years. You've, you've yeah. played bottom of the hill recently. Uh, yeah. you did you did uh um what was it the chapel, I think. Um maybe not maybe not the chapel. I'm trying to remember some of the ones. I'm trying to
1: remember ones. too. Um DNA uh, uh, lounge, we've done that one. We've it, done
0: yeah, cha- yeah, it was it was the chapel, yeah. It, it was the chapel. the chapel,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're coming, yeah. We're coming back through soon.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are. You got you got a couple stops. You got to stop in San Francisco and uh, uh, or uh, around San Francisco and Sacramento as well. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like looking at the dates. I'm
0: like, oh, yeah. wait, what I know we got. to <laughs> got up. Yeah, the Ivy Room in Albany, and then Harlow's in, in Sacramento. What are what are some of your memories of playing shows in the Bay? were any, any fun, uh, uh, you know, annex that you got into? <laughs> um,
1: one time uh one time we were playing dna lounge and uh so like arrow does this thing i guess i also just recently hung out with starcrawler so i guess they're on my mind so i'm just talking about them but (laughs) they played before us it was starcrawler and then us at dna lounge this is back in like 2017 and it was a crazy show the energy was so good but arrow you know she does um blood capsules and she spits blood everywhere and one thing that she always does which is so so like badass like Ozzy Osbourne or something she'll like with the fake blood draw an upside down cross on her forehead and I don't know if she does that every night but she'll sometimes do it right and I remember like towards the end of our set I dropped my pick and so I'm playing with just my fingers and so my fingers just get shredded like the skin's gone um you know and I'm just bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. And so at the end of our side, the little bloody cross <laughs> with my blood.
0: With real blood, you know. I was like, we're
1: matching. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I'll show you up.
1: <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. Um, what else have has happened in in San Francisco? Oh, the Bottom of the Hill show recently was so good. That was a wild one. I we had this really cool band, The Wash, that we brought out with us, and and I was so nervous for that show because there was there was a line like waiting to get in to the concert and and honestly just like that much of a good thing instead of me being like yay I was just like oh (laughs) and so I was scared and I was backstage and I was like oh and I was just I literally it was weird I was sleep deprived and I cried a little bit before the show and then I got on stage and, and the connection to the audience was just so electric and I felt like I felt like I don't know. It felt like no wrongs could be done. It felt like everyone was here and just made this agreement to have the best night ever. And, and it was, it was a really fun show.
0: Yeah. What What do you love most about touring in, in, in general? What is it that you enjoy?
1: Um, I think because I suck at routine, I like the sense of like, there's a routine to a degree but it's also like the routine is that every night it's going to be different. <laughs> um, so I like that. I mean, I honestly really like being in cars. A lot of people don't like it, but I like cars. I think cars are good times to like talk to people and also listen to music. I mean, of course I get ready to be somewhere. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's it just shows are such an outlet. So shows are such a good outlet for energy. And I just, I don't know. It's different every night and I don't know. I don't know what my favorite part is. It's just fun. It's an adventure. And I, I like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, t- tell me how about how your uh, relationship with Peyton and Curtis has kind of progressed through the close quarters that you keep, you know, through touring and recording yeah. together and everything like yeah, that's, no, that's a unique opportunity to be so close to your siblings like that.
1: Yeah. It's always weird to me when people aren't close to their siblings. Um, <laughs> I'll
0: be honest. I'm not the closest with my sister. So
1: it's, no, it makes sense. I, I've met so many people. Yeah. Like And we have fights. We have, like, rough fights, of course. I mean, because we kind of operate on three different levels. Like, there's the work level, there's the friend level, and there's the sibling level. But, no, I I love them, and I'm so proud of them, and I just, I really believe in both of them. And we actually all just started doing band therapy together, and it's not really, I don't really see it as, like, because there's been tumultuous problems. It's more just, like, because we want to take our communication to, like, the next level. We just want to be so together. And it's been really nice to, to do that. Um, but, but yeah, no, I think we've all gotten better at like giving each other space, like learning what kind of upset everyone's feeling, like learning what kind of grumpy each other are feeling, you know? And, um, and I, I don't know, like it's, there's just this excitement and there's just this love there and and this belief and trust in each other that I'm really grateful for.
0: Yeah. Um, You had a video on, uh, you put on Instagram of you and Peyton learning each other's parts. And I think you do more of that on your Patreon as well. Like tell tell me about that, that process for you as you're kind of kind of diving into learning the other parts of the songs.
1: Yeah. That, that was like, that was funny. Like we were, we always, you know we'll kind of like sing each other's parts when we're like listening to to our own music back which is you know singing. so we were sound checking one day and we, we just like as a joke tried to to do each other's parts but it felt so unnatural and then and we were like oh we should just do that just for fun because I think I don't think I know both of our styles are so drastically different our singing styles and and also just like our cadence and well, I guess that's more singing but you know what I mean really different so Mm -hmm. it was fun to we just yeah i i like like hearing the different takes and and i've had the request from so many fans to like do a record or an ep of of covering each other's songs and i think we will do that i think it'd be really fun um because there are just certain things that her voice can do that my voice cannot do and, and vice versa and and so it's fun to kind of see the workarounds
0: yeah and and you taught yourself drums Do you ever see yourself getting behind the, the drum kit at your shows
1: I don't I do I do yeah I used to play drums a lot whenever it was just me and Peyton and um yeah I, I when Kurt joined I kind of just was like oh, I'll just stay at the front of the stage because there's so many switches already with Curtis and Peyton switching and then me and Peyton switching whenever I go to you know I was just like, well, I'll just stay up here and you guys can be on drums, but, but who knows, never say never. Kurt broke his hand on a tour once and I, and I went back there.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're able to fill the spot. So. <laughs> um, Sloppily. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the injuries, you mentioned earlier, during your vocal surgery, you had two vocal surgeries, right? Like, yeah. What, yeah. Was, what was that process like for you? And how, I mean, with, with a tool that's so important to your craft, like, yeah. tell me about that process of working through those challenges.
1: Well, yeah, like it was. Uh, I basically found out right after that those couple of weeks with vaccine. I went and saw a fancy doctor, and they found two cysts, one on each of my vocal cords. And and it took a long time to actually get the surgery because of COVID, because you could only get you know certain surgeries, basically like life threatening surgeries. And then when I finally got them, it was like it was like a year basically of on and off vocal rest so it's you know no noises and uh I was living all over the place I was living in Venice I was living in Hollywood I was living back home for a second Then I moved to this tiny town in Oregon and then uh, just kind of bouncing around being silent and uh I don't know I mean I'm really lucky that it coincided with the pandemic because I can't I would have been so disheartened if it happened like right after this long break you know but yeah but it was it was intense because everyone you know like all the advice was like just no have a phone call with someone. It's like I can't have a phone call with someone. <laughs> I have to, you know. But but whatever, I could text. I, I got really into postcards and whistling and when I and playing guitar sometimes and playing piano sometimes and uh, yeah I don't know I, I, but now then at, towards the light at the end of the tunnel was I got to work with. Vocal coaches and, and uh, speech therapists and stuff, and and really know my 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 voice and my throat for the first time ever. I mean, it's this instrument that you cannot see, so to kind of hear the medical side of things, and then also just have visualizations and have technique. I I, I think I avoided technique, and I and I was I had I had dabbled in vocal warm ups because I saw Charlie Bliss doing it, and it seemed important. But I was always scared that if I got, if I learned the technique of my voice, then I'd sing stupid and like corny and like not punk anymore. But that's not really true. I mean, all these people listened to my music and they were like, yeah, no, you can, you can still do this. I mean, don't, don't hit these 11 on the dial screams every single night for every single song, but you can still, you can project and you can hit the notes and you can you know put on a good show and one thing a vocal coach told me that was really helpful was like your fans are coming for your songs and for your performance and not to see you like bash your head in with a hammer and what he meant by that was like you know just scream so loud that i destroy my voice again it's like the yeah. point it's not it's not to come see you destroy yourself that's not why these people like you and i was like okay fair enough fair enough <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs>
0: Were you pretty nervous to to do it, to even practice or get out on stage and kind of you know to, for fear you might damage something or yeah
1: yeah definitely I was I was nervous and a lot of it you know like it was just scared I was scared that I'd lose my stamina and stuff and the first couple of tours I wouldn't really go out after it all and I'd you know just have to stay back and kind of take care of my voice myself to do that I mean a lot of the like the talking and stuff after you've just put on a a show where you're you're singing really high you're singing really low you're yelling you're projecting you know that's not it's not good you do need to just rest and steam and and it always disappoints people because everyone wants to hang out with you and be super chatty before and after shows and and talk over the loud house music or talk over the loud other band that's playing you know it's like i can't do that because i want to i want to you know sustain this
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no that that makes sense um Tell tell me about um, Ugly Pop, um, the the documentary that you uh, that you were putting to. I you know where when will it be released? I know it had a screening right. It was at Sundance, and that was actually right before you. Um, yeah, you damaged your vocals, right? You're right around that time.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's gone to a few festivals. We did a big mm-hmm. screening at Norman Music Fest at Sundance. We we played Sundance because we had our song in um, Viggo Mortensen's movie Falling.
0: Oh, that's right. So, okay.
1: So, but it, but it has toured festivals, and and we got to do it like in my hometown, Norman, and and I don't know, Henry, who's Vigo's son actually, and a dear friend of mine, whose house I'm lucky enough to get to stay in. Uh, <laughs> I I don't really know what his plans are for. It. I don't know when it's going to go to streaming. I don't know when its official release will be. But I'm I'm really proud of him and that that movie he made. I mean. It was just a passion project for him and he just followed us around with the camera and then kind of kept following us around with the camera and took a long time to edit because there was so much footage. But I do think it's a really warm kind of accurate ride and in the skating poly world, you know, (laughs) it's like, yeah, this this is me for sure. That's me. That's Peyton. But it's funny. Most of it takes place. I mean, it takes place right up to the point of Kurt joining. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, like
0: and he season. joined in. He joined in. When did he join? 2017. Yes, was exactly, 2017. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's got a couple of years back, but um, you know, it'll get it. It'll see the light of day at some point. Yeah, you know, it
1: definitely will. I, yeah, I want it on all the streamings. I don't know what the process is for doing that, but I want it on all the streamings. I'd love
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> got to get it out there. I want to see it. <laughs> um, you you did a European festival too, and you uh, and you got to play. Uh, I know something. in some place you were really excited to play was Spain, right? Tell me tell me about that experience and getting to uh, to see those parts of the world.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, we yeah we've gone to Europe a few times now. It, it it it's incredible. I don't know. I feel like every country is so different, and Spain's lovely. The crowds are so enthusiastic, so animated. Um, uh Bordeaux was really really cool this time around I mean like every we played basically this like cave and all these kids who make their own clothes came to the show it was like just young punks it was badass and uh England's always lovely I feel like it's always funny like doing Europe first and then and because when we're in Europe I try not to talk too much in between songs because it's like it's just like there's a bit of a language barrier and so there's no point no one wants to you know they want to hear your songs
0: yeah yeah <laughs> and
1: it's like some of you know it's just a whole nother thing but but back in england i think like people find my american accent charming and they're like they're down with with my jokes and and stage banter whatever it could be just sweet awkward ramblings um
0: <laughs> they enjoy it so
1: yeah they enjoy it um i love I love the Netherlands. I love, oh my God, the hospitality in Germany is so amazing. We had a really crazy good show in um, Nuremberg. Or was it Munich? God, I can't remember. But it's like every single person in the building was singing along. We played uh, this this little, this small town called Stuttgart in a cafe. And people were, like the cafe was packed. And then people were outside watching from the window, watching the set from the window. It was really cool.
0: How cool is it like your your music has had this impact, not just here in the States or anything, but worldwide and you're able to kind of go and kind of share that appreciation of it.
1: So cool. I mean, like, yeah. you know, the weird thing is is like I was saying, like there are people who, who obviously English isn't their first language, maybe came and understand me speaking in between songs, but but can sing along to my songs, you know, like know yeah. the songs. I mean, that's insane. Uh it it feels so good. It, I it's it's like the best ticket, the best opportunity to get to travel the world, like to, you know, play music all over the world. It really is like the energy can be so vastly different from place to place. And yeah, it's a gift.
0: Yeah. Um, you provided support for the Flaming Lips at, at one point. Did you get to meet Wayne Klein? And, yeah. Uh, d- 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 tell me tell me about that experience and seeing them. <laughs> it was
1: a long time ago. Um, yeah, no, we were... We did. We opened a couple shows for the Flaming Lips, and um, we were really close with the drummer, Cliff Scherlock. At the time, he's no longer in it. Um, Wayne used to have our, our sticker on his Prius. We recorded a music video in Wayne's bathtub once. What? So, no, I've <laughs> I've, I've, made, I've met Wayne a, t- a ton of times, but um, but yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, no, those, those were those were really fun shows. I was I was small. I was small. We were just a two piece
0: what was the video in Wayne's back though what was that
1: one it's called kick k-i-c-k and and Dilo Creative made it who also makes a lot of the Flaming Lips videos that's actually kind of how we that's how the Flaming Lips discovered us is because their video team started making music videos for us and Cliff the drummer saw um George editing one and he was like what is this I want to go see them
0: yeah, they, they put on a really good show. I, I saw them almost 20 years ago, probably at, at in at street scene down in San Diego. And he was, he did the bubble thing, you know, walking yeah, on yeah. the crowd and, and they did a Bohemian Rhapsody cover and everything. And and, and it was just, just this great festival performance that was incredible. And and you know, and the, the challenge at the festival is like you have the flaming lips, and then after them the pixies are on, right? And the pixies are are great and they've been around forever, but the Flaming Lifts, you know, came out and performed. This like, you know, incredible rock opera. Yeah, it's it's a, it's just, a, it was an interesting booking choice, but. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think some of those songs never
1: get, I just think like, I, I love a rock show. That's like not, no, I, as much as I love fireworks in a rock show, like I love a show that's like all about the music and it's just yeah. like, well, we don't have fireworks. We just have songs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I got yes. mad respect for that. I'm like, God damn. That's how the breeders were. And oh my God, it crushed me. I loved it so much. They don't yeah. move. They don't move on stage. They just yeah. play the fucking great songs. <laughs> you,
0: you don't always need to if the music's great, right? You know, <laughs> you put on a good rock show and uh still without that. So, um, yeah. And so you have a Patreon. Tell me about the your Patreon what you do for your fans. I, I think you, uh, you do a podcast, right? So. There's
1: a lot of stuff on the Patreon. Um, we, yeah, it's been a while since we've done a podcast app, but we're working on it and then we've there's there's just demos from all all the make it all show demos are up there we've done these commentaries for every song we've released live i mean not why i say live every song we've released basically so every album we went track by track and me and peyton and, and curtis on the records kurt's on talk about each song and uh like art and drawings that we don't share anywhere else poetry Demos, little half-finished songs are on there. Um, you know, just little stories that we don't share with everyone <laughs> are up there. Um, just experiments and and so on and so forth. I just try to kind of put things on there that, you know, the big skating poly fans would appreciate. Recently, when I got my wisdom teeth out, I posted a really unflattering crying photo of myself out there. So I thought, you know, you guys deserve to see me this vulnerable.
0: <laughs> right, right. You pay you pay to see me this vulnerable. You're you're on the you in the in-crowd, right? So. Yeah, exactly.
1: yeah. So yeah, we just try to just be real. And then we do we do a cover every month that we we give two choices and then people vote and we do we do a cover and the cover could be like a video of us playing it, or it could be like our garage band version of the cover. Yeah. It's been fun what
0: are, what are some of the co- songs you like to cover so
1: far we've done uh right now we're doing shark smile by big thief and i need to put my parts over it payton sent me it and we've done i did explain it to me by liz fair we did blue by the jayhawks we did uh gosh what have we done you can make him like you by the hold steady i did kokomo indiana by uh japanese breakfast
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm fine. I like it, Kelly. I want to thank you for taking the time today and uh, and chatting and uh, and catching up a bit. Uh, I mean, you you haven't slowed down. Uh, I know COVID put a bump in the road there, but it didn't didn't slow you guys down at all. You're out there and you're ready for this next tour. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I imagine you have a bunch of other songs still in the pipes. But I mean, a double album is nothing to shake your head out. That's a cr- incredible, and and it's a really great album. So. Thank you so I want... much. Well, yeah. I
1: really appreciate that, Yeah. Thank you. I'm really, really excited. And thank you for talking to me today. And yeah, I hope the audio is okay on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, think it was okay. So
1: um, oh, perfect. All right.
0: Very cool. All right. Well, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. And uh, you look really comfy in the robe. So
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I wanted to wear this robe. It looks so good with this like pink dress. I was like, this robe so good. And it has a hood. Has a hood.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, right. you're, you're, you're set. <laughs> well, thanks, Kelly. Have a great weekend ahead. Okay.
1: Bye. You too.
0: That was the interview with Skating Polly here on Concert Pipeline. Thank you, Kelly, for taking the time to chat today. I really enjoyed it. And that'll take us to the final segment on the program, the music news. All right, I got a couple stories to wind out the program today. Uh, so uh, first off is a story about um, Ed Sheeran. I don't talk about Ed Sheeran a lot. Uh, actually uh, my former co-host Jens used to always say his name Ed Sheeran, which is uh, pretty comical because he struggles to say names, but uh, Ed Sheeran has announced an intimate North American tour. And, uh, and there's a reason that I mentioned this tour, uh, but he's playing 14 small scale shows amid his uh, stadium tour. Um, and so this, let's see, he kicks off his plus minus equals division multiplication tour. It's mathematics tour, I guess is what it's called in North America. Next month, he's going to stage more than more intimate performances at 14 theaters and auditoriums across the U.S. and Canada uh, during the stadium shows. Ben Queller is providing support for the majority of the small scale shows. They're they're buddies, um, and uh, so there's a Ticketmaster verified fan presale that's set uh and uh so uh and you can access that and to be able to purchase tickets when they go on sale Uh, i'm not an ed sheeran fan but i am a ben queller fan uh and ben queller has gone through some really tough times recently we talked about it in a recent episode maybe even last week where i mean his uh his son died um in a car accident and uh he he just i know he just put on a show uh, that he was hesitant to do uh, but he his son was set to open the show uh, for him uh, and they were going to play you know together really right and uh, and he wasn't able to do that but he wanted to you know to live on his son's memory and not go down a rabbit hole he wants to you know play music for his son really um ben has christopher Minz plus uh for, who is mclovin in his band Uh, which is really cool we've had the chance to interview uh chris um actually at ben queller's show a couple years ago before they were in the same band together uh chris's band opened for uh for ben queller's band uh so so that's a lot of fun um i don't know i don't know if i'll be able to get tickets probably not and you know again I'm, i'm i also don't want to steal tickets from someone uh Uh, from an Ed Sheeran fan who would be crazy about seeing Ed Sheeran in such an intimate place like like they're playing they're going to play at the Fox Theater in Oakland which is like 2,500 seats something along those lines which is much 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 smaller than the stadiums that he's playing so I I don't think I'd be able to even get tickets but um, but it would be cool to see Ben Queller again uh, live and and I was hoping to get to to see him you know sometime soon you know uh, playing music but that might not be the tour where I get to see him. Um, okay, Bamboozle Festival 2023 was cancelled a week before the fan- festival was uh, due to take place. Uh, Lint Biscuit, May Day Parade, and Papa Roach and more were set to play the Revive Festival. Uh, and it, it, this was the first time that it was going to happen. Um, uh, it was a, It's a festival in New Jersey and it, uh, it, the last one was in 2012 and uh, was described by founder John Desposito as a party 20 years in the making. Uh, and so this was going to happen May 5th to 7th, and a statement posted this a couple of days ago. Organizers confirmed that it wouldn't take place. After extensive discussions, we've made the heartbreaking decision to cancel Bamboozle 2023. An incredible amount of time, dedication, passion, and hard work was invested into making this comeback a success. Uh, we appreciate everyone who supported the festival, and you can get refunds at the point of purchase. So. You wonder why, right? I mean, because a big festival takes a lot to, uh, to make happen. Um, there was ongoing concern. We were not getting the required documents from festival organizers in a timely manner, um, the city uh, business administrator said. They asked for that information months in advance and uh, to protect the city and taxpayers of Atlantic City. The event was fast approaching and these issues were still unresolved. Uh, so it, it didn't happen. You know, and honestly, you know, the lineup, not great comparatively to past uh, lineups that they've had. This this festival has uh, seen a lot of really cool things happen. Uh, I remember something corporate reunited at Bamboozle, I believe. Uh, uh, which is, which is pretty cool. But the last bamboozle was in, like I said, in 2012, Bon Jovi, the Foo Fighters and Skrillex headlined the tw- to 20,000 people each night. Uh, and then earlier this month, Desposito said uh, 6,000 tickets for bamboozle 2023 had been sold. So they hadn't sold the number of tickets they, they needed to. They uh, also didn't get the permits that they needed either. So um, it's uh, it's unfortunate for them. Um, okay. Michelle Obama joined Bruce Springsteen to perform Glory Glory Days at Barcelona gig. Uh, uh, she play, sing, sung and played the tambourine, uh, which I don't know that it's really an instrument that you play as much as just kind of trying to keep beat, right, uh, with. So uh, she did that. Uh, let's see. She did that to Born in the USA uh, along Springsteen's wife and D Street band member, Patty scaff. Uh, Scalfa, Scalfa, I don't know and a, actress a Cap, Kate Capshaw <laughs> uh, so uh, there were a bunch of people there Steven Spielberg was, was there as well um, and he dined with Barack and Michelle Obama at a restaurant in, in Spanish City uh, and then M- Michelle Obama was up there dancing and singing I guess which is, uh, is pretty cool uh, probably the coolest first lady in recent history, right? Come on. Um, so, all right. And this last story that I have is is interesting just in uh, on the surface to me. Uh, and that is that a study found that 50% of vinyl buyers in the US don't have a record player. Uh, it appears that super fans with a completionist mindset are driving the trend. Uh, and according to Luminate, which recently published its top entertainment trends for 2023, uh, report that, uh, that that 50% of consumers who have bought a vinyl in the past 12 months do, uh, own a record player, compared to 15% among uh, music listeners overall. Uh, and so they credit those statistics to superfans, whom it defines as music listeners who spend above average time and money on music, actively discover new music, participate in music-related activities on social media, and plan on attending a live music event in the next 12 months. Uh, so. Uh, the majority of music revenue, 84%, uh, still comes from streaming services. Uh, so, uh, superfans buy the uh, the music, not necessarily to listen to it. It's like buying a yeah, a cassette from your favorite artist. I've talked to a band recently who is selling cassettes. Uh, I think it was Nuski, if I remember correctly. And uh, and people don't have cassette players. You can just sell blank cassettes with your name on it, and uh, and then if your superfans will buy it. Just for the nostalgia factor of having a cassette that they assume has the music on it, but we'll never be able to find out because cassette players don't exist anymore, right? Um, I never got into vinyl. I never bought a vinyl uh, record player. I think I owned one. Like John, my friend John gave me one at one point, but it just took up space. I don't think I ever used it because I didn't buy vinyl. I, it's it's a it's a medium outside of my financial uh, capacity. That you know, I never wanted to invest in vinyl uh, and. Spend a lot of money for music in that way because I can listen to it on CDs or streaming or what what have you, so I just I never got into it just putting it out there. Um, so, but the vinyl album sales grew 11% um, while the CD albums uh, in contrast fell 17% uh, so people aren't going towards CDs anymore and. Uh, And I do miss the days of being able to buy CDs like the bands that I'd interview and get to go to their shows and have them sign the CD and then have this thing, you know, it's part of my collection because I have a couple hundred signed CDs uh, in boxes in my uh, closet that uh, that are just there and not getting used. But but so it goes, right? So uh, anyway, that's one way to get music. Um, not sure how. I mean, people are streaming. That's the way to do it, right? Uh, Apple Music, Spotify, whatever service uh, um, uh, they're using. That's the way to get it. So, um, all right, uh, that is our show today for today. Thank you to Skating Polly uh, and uh, you know for being on the program. Really enjoyed uh, our conversation. Uh, next week on the program, I, I I'm in the process of working something up. We might have Josie Cotton on the program. Um, another uh, female musician. Uh, but that isn't 100% locked in yet. We will see if it happens. Um, So uh, for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, I'm Steve Jones. We'll catch you next time.